Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. We go through seasons. I, I don't know if you've ever been through a season in your life where everything just doesn't seem to work out. You can't get a job. You go from one interview to the next, and it's like, I can't buy a job. If you're single, you think, I haven't had a date, maybe never. And it looks like and I'm, you know, 40 years old. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I can't buy a date. I don't know what's wrong with me. But probably nothing, actually. You're just going through a season where things don't always work out. Maybe, uh, maybe this has happened to you spiritually. And let's, let's be honest, sometimes we'll hear a message by good old Pastor Ed. <laughs> It'll be on the blessing of God and the power of God and you know, all the things that I shout and spit about and everything else. And then you go home to your real. My real world is nothing like what Pastor Ed preached. Pastor Ed's real world is nothing like Pastor Ed preaches sometimes, too. I might add confessions of a pastor. Uh, sometimes I'll preach myself happy here, and then I get in the car. It's like, man, i got to go home and face bills just like everybody else does. Uh, I've got to sometimes go home and, 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 and face uh, you know, depression can knock at the door, or discouragement can knock at the door, or aches and pains as you get older can knock at the door, and, and, and all kinds of things knock at the door. Relatives that, you know, maybe don't like you so much uh, can knock at the door. You're knocking at their door. It's called a Christmas vacation. Uh, and, uh, and you think, man, it was sure nice at church, but what happened? The two worlds kind of don't line up all the time. Well, if that's you, welcome to the family. <laughs> welcome to the church. But sometimes those seasons extend way beyond what they should extend, where it just doesn't seem like anything is lined up for so long, and I'm going through a dry and a thirsty time in my life, and even the Word of God, when I read it, it just doesn't do anything. I'm not getting any revelation. It seems like my prayers aren't answered. And if that continues long enough, you are in, my friend, a, a drought. And so we're talking about breaking the drought this morning, but we're not just talking about the, the, the physical drought, although that does parallel often what's going on in the spiritual. Our country needs a big drink. We need a big drink. The land needs a big drink, but so does the church. You got, you got to have a big drink. And I want to give you a big drink this morning. We're, uh, we're in this series. I believe that you'll be able to get a lot of big drinks and get back to life because uh, the Bible talks about the washing of God's Word is water. And if you don't get the water of the Word long enough, you just dry up. It's like that soil. It's begging Please, somebody, give me a drink. All the plants and the animals, everything's dying. But that could be uh, a type of your spiritual life. If you're not careful, you can dry up and shrivel up, and you need a drink. Your spirit is crying out, give me a drink. And I'm so thankful that you come to church, hopefully for one reason, to worship God and get a big drink. Sometimes I drag my dry and thirsty soul into a church meeting. I did that you know, down at Wag. I preached a couple times at a church down there. And then uh, we attended uh, a, a church down there, two meetings. For, for one reason, I want to get a drink. I am thirsty. And I'm not just going to give out. I want to drink up. And so I get into the family of God and God's house. And it's like, 
It's better than the pub. I had to pass a lot of pubs in Wagga. They got a lot of watering holes of the other kind in, in Wagga that I walked past where people were, you know, going in one way and walking out another way after they had a big drink. But, you know, I like to see people walking out of church one way and walking out another way. They're not staggering drunk and not getting their bearing, but I want to see people walking in dry and thirsty. Ah, water, ah, water, worship God, God, and walking out another way, head held, held high and, and, and spirit inflated to the where I can go out now and I can conquer this thing that I'm facing. This drought is not going to continue forever. So our country needs a drink, but we need a drink. Sometimes when drought continues to knock at the door, I don't know if you've ever been there before, and you get this sinking feeling, oh, here we go again. It's like, is it ever going to stop? There's more news on the family. There's more news on the country. There's more news about investments. There's more bad news about, and you can fill in the blank, and it's like, here it is again, knock, knock, knock. Well, in Joshua's time, we're going to go over now and get, get into some word, but in Joshua's time, God's people had been caught in a drought for 40 years. And I, I think this is interesting because, just a quick recap, they went into the land 40 years previous to where we're going to pick up the story, and they sent in the, uh, the, the 12 spies, and all but two of them came back with a negative report. They walked in their promises. They walked in the promised land. They... They looked at what, what, what most would call amazing spectacular. You are looking this morning at amazing. If you look at 2020, which we're already in, there are amazing promises of God lined up for you. Drought does not have to be the epitaph this year. Drought can be broken. It could start this morning. You are looking at something absolutely amazing just like them. But only two of them picked up on amazing. The rest of them came back. Walked in the land, saw it, touched it, felt it, tasted it, came back. Nah, ain't going to happen. Giants there, challenges are too big. We're just little grasshoppers. Well, grasshoppers thrive in a drought. Grasshoppers eat everything that's alive from uh, previous rains or whatever was flourishing. They get in when there's a drought. There's usually grasshoppers involved, and that's us. We are just grasshoppers. We are, we, are, we are just eating off of whatever Egypt had, and, and we can't do it. And so Joshua and Caleb, the only two that walked in there and said, we're more than able. Come on. Let's go for it. Let's not. We got out of Egypt. Let's not just sit here. Let's get into the land. Let's get into the promises of God. This is our day. Let's seize it. But they, they had to shrink back with the rest of them and pay the price. You can imagine Joshua. 40 years have come and gone now. He's 80 years old. Caleb, about the same age. Finally, Moses dies. That's what it takes. Sometimes it takes the, the person that should have made the decision to go in. On the inside of you, there's a person that wants to make a decision to break this drought, to go into the things of God, to step out and not put up with whatever habits or circling patterns that you're in. On the inside of you, there is a sovereign will that's lined up and bowed its knee to Jesus Christ at one time in your life, probably if you're here, and, and, and it's saying, yeah, come on, this is 2020. This is the year when I'm going to get my vision corrected with God. God's vision, let's go for it. 40 years have, have taken place. They've wandered for 40 years in drought, 40 years 
long years. I mean, that's longer than many of you have been alive. That's a big chunk of time. And here's Joshua. Moses is gone. He's put up with legalism. He's put up with the law. He's put up with every excuse. God's put up with whinging people, a whole nation of them, millions of them, whinging, walking around for 40 long years. And finally, Joshua's like, come on. And God speaks to him and says, get up. Come on. This is the time. Moses is gone. But listen to what he says in in chapter 3. It's pretty amazing what God spoke to Joshua in chapter 3, verse 5. This is after we're going to go back and read from uh, chapter 1 in a moment. But Joshua told the people, he said, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves, because tomorrow God is going to do amazing, not normal, not ordinary, not just answer a few prayers here and there, not give us a little drink and a little bit of anything. God is going to do amazing things among you. Say this after me. God is going to do amazing things among us. That's the promise of God. Now, I don't like it usually when somebody comes and says, Hey, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. Which do you want first? And I'll often say, just give me the bad news. I get that out of the way so I'm not guessing, and then we can rejoice at whatever the good news is. Uh, I'm, I'm like that when I eat. I, you can always tell what I don't like and what I do like on the plate because I always eat what I don't like first, which is usually broccoli and Brussels sprouts <laughs> and anything green is like I, I'll, I'm going to get that out of the way. And then I'm going to go and eat the succulent part of the roast lamb and the pumpkin and, you know, the roast nice stuff. But I'm going to get the potato chunks and the green stuff. I, I eat in the order of what I don't like first, and then I work my way into what I really enjoy and then finish off with some nice dessert or something like that. And uh, that's the way that I do things. And so <laughs> got some bad news, and I got some good news. The good news I already gave you. <laughs> God is going to do amazing things. Tomorrow, God is going to do amazing things among you. That's the promise of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, it says that all the promises of God are in him are yes and amen. There's only one thing when God gives you a promise, and his word is loaded with promises. There's only one response out of you because God's word is true. Every man could be a liar, but God's word is true. There's one response to a promise of God that's yes and amen. Amen means uh, let it happen. It is so. Yes and amen. Tomorrow, God is going to, and this is the promise, he is going to do amazing things among you. Forty years prior, God gave them a promise. I'm giving you a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And instead of going, yes and amen, they didn't say yes and amen. They said, no way, we're too small, we're grasshoppers, it's not going to happen. You are standing at the precipice of this year. We're into it now, about a week and, and a bit. And God is, God is honestly, as a pastor, <laughs> I approach every year like this. But this year, I'm going to say it, this year is special. 
This year, this church has got some amazing promises. They are there. But drought wants to knock at the door as well. Drought is trying to say, hey, 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 no, 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 no. That ain't going to happen because people aren't going to let that happen. They always manage to sabotage the good thing that God wants to do. It's people, God's people mainly, that stuff it up. It was 10 of those spies that stuffed it up for the whole nation of millions of people because they wouldn't say yes and amen to the promise. They went back and they reneged. And so now God picks it up and he says, tomorrow I've got, I'm going to do amazing things. But here's the bad news. You were waiting for it, weren't you? Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate means this. It means dedicate yourself to the purpose of God. Dedicate, focus on, set your life apart. Step out and be different because what you step out in is what you will step on. But until you step on, you haven't stepped out. You have to walk on those promises. They're not going to just fall in your lap. Consecrate yourselves. Make yourself holy. The uh, the SCR. R-E-T, the consecrate is, a, is kind of a big word, but the, uh, the S-C-R-E-T or whatever it is, and there's a Latin word which means separate. Separate yourself to the promises of God. He says, go through now, every one of you, bow your knee, think about your life, think about where you are in drought. The whole nation is in drought, but what about you? See, there's no point in us just, you know, I could get up here and hoop it up and you know, get the band back up here. Come on, rain, rain. You know, we're gonna we're gonna dance. We're gonna we're gonna sing. We're gonna shout. We're gonna command. It's already raining outside anyway. We're gonna take credit because it's already rained. If yeah, it started raining when we were worshiping God. No, it started raining before that. It was like last night. Uh, <laughs> but, but when did it rain in your life? When is the last time that the heavens uh, were open in your life where you got such a download from the Holy Ghost that you just could not control yourself. Your hand or your thumbs couldn't write fast enough because God was pouring in direction and pouring in revelation on what to do in situation after situation in your life where you did not know what to do and the drought was broken in your life. God wants that for you this morning. The good news is he's given you a book full of promises, 66 love letters or books of the Bible loaded with promises that God will not violate or go against for you. The bad news, or the good news, depending on how you see it, is consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. You can't walk in the world of naysayers and doom and gloom and negativity and finger pointing and this is wrong and that's wrong as if the devil's in charge of this world. Well, he is, but he's not supposed to be. He is the God of this world, but Jesus is the Lord of lords, and he has commanded us to make disciples of this nation. Come on, church. What's, what are we waiting for? God is waiting for a Joshua to stand up, and that, that could be male or female, and, and, and seal the promises of God because he's got amazing things for your life. God always wants to fulfill the promises that he has, to always be yes and to always be amen. And tomorrow it says he's going to do something so amazing. It's their time. They're going to step into a miracle. 
But listen to me, process always precedes promise. There's always a process. Now, here's the tricky bit, and we're just about out of time here because we're going to have communion, but we will pick this, this up. Excuse me. Most people despise God's processes because they see that as drought. When something that God wants to teach and, and, and they, they, they hit a hardship, when something hard hits their life and things get tough, they call that drought. But it's not drought. It's just the process of consecration. You have to consecrate yourself. It might mean taking your finger, whichever finger you use, it might be a thumb, I don't know, and pushing that red button on that remote and pushing the off button and out watching something so that you can watch what God wants to do and you can hear from God and, and, and hitting your knees or how, whatever your posture is isn't really that important. But the thing of it, of it is, is is to pray and to seek God and to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and hear, I'll, I'll, and hear from heaven, then I'm going to pour out. I'm going to heal their land. And God's got incredible promises. But if we don't humble ourselves and pray and, and hear from heaven because we're hearing from other voices so much so that God can't get through to us, and then hardship has to, has to hit our life in order for us to get to a posture of prayer we have to have something happen to us, and then we call that drought. Oftentimes, it's not drought. It's the process that precedes the promise. Oh, I've had a lot of processes in my life that preceded the promises of God. And some of you, you know what I'm talking about because some of you are going through it right now. You're going through a process right now, and it's painful, and it hurts, and it's challenging your heart. And God is calling you to pray, and God is calling you to seek him like never before. But you are thinking that you are in a drought. No, you're not in a drought. You're actually in a process before a promise that God wants to get. But the bigger the promise, it's the bigger the process. I told you I was going to preach some bad news this morning. It's not all good news, but it is all good. And so... The process can mean that you must abase before you abound. Paul said this, I have learned in life to be content because godly, godliness with contentment is great gain, he told Timothy. I have learned both to abase and to abound. It's not all going to be abound. It's not all going to be eating the chocolate cake at the end of the meal. Don't, don't we all wish that we could, you know, do that and get away with it? You can't get away with it. You don't eat those green things, the, the ugly things, the bad broccoli and all the rest of it. If you don't eat your spinach, if you don't eat that stuff, you are not going to be a healthy person. If you don't eat what sometimes is unsavory and that you don't like it, you're not, if I don't go to the gym, if you don't work out, if you don't read your Bible, if you don't pray, if you don't do those things, if you don't work that process, then you, you don't qualify for the promise. Sometimes we want to qualify. We're eating cake and sugar and garbage, and the process looks like drought, but sometimes you've got to abase before you abound. Sometimes the process God takes you through is so you can reach more people. That's a novel thought. The process means that your, your life might look like a contradiction to your faith because sometimes you've got to prune that rose bush. And I learned this from my neighbor. That rose bush has to almost become a stick. <sighs> I look at her out there. Sand, Sandy's her name. She's cutting that thing back. And I'm like, you've killed it. 
there's nothing left of the rose bush. It's a stump with maybe a, a leaf that you left on there out of mercy or something. But then, man, the next season, it's like that thing has just got roses everywhere. And I'm taking pictures because it looks like it's almost part of our property, but it's not. It's next door, but it makes it looks pretty cool. So why own, you know, more property when you could just borrow from next door? And, and uh, you know, it's wonderful. She tends the garden. I can't. Everything dies under my control. And, and uh, but, but I get to enjoy it. I get to look out at those roses and go, good job, Sandy. But what she has to do to get those things is, it's in a way, it's consecration. It's, she has to consecrate that rose bush. Before you step out into amazing, God invites you to step out and set yourself apart in your character, in your courage, in your talent. When's the last time you said, my talents are yours, God? I am going to use them. I'm not going to sit back on them any longer. I am going to step out and use what you've given me so I don't lose it. I'm going to use it. Otherwise, God, it's going to continue. God's going to continue that process. Nothing holding back. In fact, there is nothing holding back except what you're holding on to. See, God doesn't delay his promises. It's up to us. We're delaying. The problem's never God's delay. God isn't holding back your promise. You're holding on to the problem. But this morning, I don't know how dry and thirsty you are, but you're looking at a preacher who's really dry and thirsty. There's a process I'm going through right now because I know there's bigger promises. I could easily shrink back and go, well, that was good. You know, we've achieved a certain level, and I've achieved a certain spirituality in my life and a certain level of, you know, hearing from God and everything else. And I could just get up here and tell you stories from 30 years ago. And you go, oh, that was amazing. 30 years ago, Pastor Ed, you did that. I don't want a 30-year-old testimony. Look, they're there, and I'm happy, you know. They were processes that were very painful at the time that led to promises now that I've walked in. But isn't there something bigger? Isn't there something more? Is, is, doesn't this year hold some promises for all of us that we could go, man, like, come on. This church, this people, you are chosen by God. Are you thirsty at all this morning? I don't want us to go through religion. I don't want to go through formats and formalities and formulas. I want us to take something to another level. And so I'm asking you, get so thirsty this morning that, the, that it has to rain or I'm going to go and suck the clouds out of the air. And then the drought will be broken in you. Because that's where it all starts. Life will begin to flow out of your heart. Right now, I'd like you just to do a little bit of searching. I know it's painful. I do it myself. But I want you to ask yourself just some simple questions this morning. Where is your life dry and thirsty? As a deer pants for the water, does your soul pant for him? If it doesn't, this is a time to repent and to change some things. It's not The world's not ending today because you didn't pant after God or see God, but I'm going to give you something here like statistic-wise. I read this. It's pretty bad. In 2018, the Bible Society commissioned a study by the Barna Group. Over 2,000 people were surveyed 
about how they engage with Scripture. The results were this. The study concluded that 52% of the Christians surveyed don't read their Bibles at all. They're churchgoers. They don't even read the Word at all. Over half. 8% read the Bible three to four times a year. 6% read it once a month. 8% read it once a week. Only 13% read it several times a week, and only 14% read it daily. The disturbing news is that over half the people polled will not have read the Bible even once in a whole year. John Bevere went on and did his own study and the conclusion was incredible that if you read your Bible four times or more a week, almost all the problems that people struggle with, habits, addictions, all that, fall away four times a week. Anything less than that, it's on the failing side. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.